When I was big, I thought I was small. When I was small, I wanted to get bigger. When I finally got to where I wanted to be, I just didn't feel like myself. There has got to be a better way. Episode 5. Thank you for returning to listen to Relatively Normal. I am your host, Mark Paisant, and today I am going to talk about something that has affected me almost my entire life. And even when I thought I had everything figured out, I came to realization that I did not. And today I'm going to talk about my body image issues. And this is kind of weird because they are a subset of people in my life that know me as the skinny kid growing up outside of Atlanta, Georgia. They are a subset of my friends that know me as the big guy living outside of Washington, D.C., And now I have a subset of friends who know me as the fit guy living outside of Atlanta, Georgia again. So this is all really, really weird to me. So to give you a little bit of a backstory, when I grew up, I um, was the oldest of a set of twins. I had an older sister, but uh, my brother and I We're very athletic growing up. We did a lot of the same sports growing up. We went to the same school growing up. And we basically lived in the same room until we were both 17. But my brother always had sort of a muscular build to him. He was a very fit kid. We both played soccer and basketball. We were very fit children. But Michael had definition. He had tone. He had muscle tone. He was always faster than me. He was always stronger than me. And just to throw this out, he always had a better hairline. I always had a very large forehead, which I call a five head. Now that I'm balding, I just cut it all off. But I was always the skinny kid. Extremely skinny. I think my freshman year in high school, I was six foot three. 173 pounds. You could literally see my heart beating out of my chest. So for most of my childhood, into my teenage years, into my college years, I always wanted to get bigger. I always wanted a muscular physique. I always wanted to gain weight to a point where I asked my dad if I could start taking creatine as a teenager. You know, looking back, thank God he did not let me take creatine as a teenager But that's what I asked him when I was younger. So when I look back at those teenage years, I see a kid who often didn't feel comfortable in his own skin. And 
how I dealt with this is through humor, through making people laugh, being the funny twin, being the outspoken twin, being the kid that masked his feelings about his physical appearance by humoring everybody. The funny part about it is I ate a lot. At the time, I didn't understand metabolism. At the time, I didn't understand that going from soccer practice to basketball practice to playing games, I was burning so many calories. And I needed every one of those meals I ate. And when I tell you I ate, I mean I ate. I was somewhat of a picky eater. I didn't eat cheese. I still really don't eat cheese. I don't like it. I didn't eat salad dressing, which I know is pretty weird to a lot of people. I had plain salads. But I ate all my vegetables. I ate beef, chicken, turkey, spaghetti and meatballs. I ate everything I could. And I would have seconds of my dinner most every night and clean my plate. I was eating a lot. But all that eating didn't transform me. I had the metabolism of a world-class athlete. People would kill for my metabolism. And right now in my life, I would kill for that metabolism. I remember the days we used to have to go to get our measurements for basketball. And everyone would have to go get their height, weight, wingspan, all that good stuff. And I just remember thinking, why can't I gain weight? Why can't I be muscular like the other kids on the team? I remember the fittings for our uniforms where back in those days, people wore their clothes a little baggier. I remember I'd always get a uniform and it would just drape over me. I would just feel my skinny clavicles and my skinny shoulder blades and my skinny arms shooting out of the sleeves into these skinny arms, these skinny elbows, skinny wrists, and these skinny legs shooting out of the shorts and just feeling so uncomfortable. Other kids would say little jokes, you know, Mark could hula hoop with a Cheerio, or if I swallowed a Skittle whole, I would look pregnant. Things like that, which, of course, I laughed at. But not knowing the effect that this would have on me later in life. Looking back, I never, ever got used to my body when I was younger. And I know a lot of kids are going through this nowadays. So go forward a little bit to college where I was still the skinny kid burning a lot of calories. And by the time I hit my junior year, I was six foot five, 195 pounds. So from 14 years old 
to 20 years old, six years, I had gained two inches in height and 22 pounds. If I look back at the old soccer photos of me at Clemson, I look like a string bean. All the clothes I had were so baggy. And I really didn't feel comfortable wearing much. I look back at old shirts where I'd button a collar all the way up and there'd still be space for my finger to fit in where my neck should have been touching the top button. And then forward that to senior year where I ended up quitting the soccer team and starting to drink a little bit, starting to party a little bit, starting to eat the same way I was eating before but not burning the calories. Looking back, there was a span of about three months in college where I fell in love with McDonald's, with Big Macs and apple pies and McDonald's, where I fell in love with beer. And I started to gain weight. In that year, I know most people say that it's the freshman 15, but I guarantee I gained about 20 pounds my senior year in college. That was all because I quit playing soccer and I started drinking and eating a little bit more. So once I graduated, I remember my dad telling me to make sure I took care of myself. Things were fitting a little tighter. I was moving to the D.C. area. I wouldn't be around my parents. Make sure I took care of myself physically. Did I listen? No. So what I did is I started to make my own little money. I started to hang out with some friends. Started to go to a few more bars. Started to party a little more. Started to eat worse and worse and worse. Love the all-you-can-eat buffets. The Sunday brunches with the waffles and the scrambled eggs and the syrup. And before I knew it, I went from a large to a double XL to a triple XL. My waistline went from 36 to 38 to 40 to 42, to 44, to 46, to 48. My weight went from 200 to 220, to 260, to 280, to 300, to 320. One day I woke up and I was 30 years old, 320 pounds, couldn't even run a half mile without getting winded. The year that my wife and I got married, I decided that I have to change. If I want to have kids and I want to be able to play with them and be able to chase them and keep up with them, I got to change 
the way I look, the way I feel. I got to get in better shape. I had always wanted to be a runner. And one show I might talk about my running and how it's affected my life. But one day I just started running. I ran a half mile, absolutely exhausted. I worked my way up to a mile. Then worked my way up to a mile and a half, then two miles, then a 5K. And later in life, I was able to run two half marathons. But the whole time between running and getting a gym membership and getting in shape, I got addicted to running. I got addicted to to losing weight. And I was able to lose almost 100 pounds at, at one point. But what I did also is that I ran so much that I injured myself and had to have two surgeries. I gained weight back because I wasn't able to work out. I lost weight because I was able to run again. And I fluctuated up and down between 220 and 240 for the next few years of my life. But the part I want to get to is when I got down to 239, which I thought was a good weight for me, which I felt good, I thought I looked good, it wasn't enough. I still saw that overweight human being that drank too much, that smoked, that partied too much, I still saw what I call quote-unquote fat mark. And my wife hates it when I say that, but that's what I called my old self. In our wedding photo, I have this big chubby face wearing this oversized tuxedo. And I hate looking at that photo because I hate what it reminds me of. But when I go a few days without running, when I go a few days with eating poorly, my mind automatically reverts. And I think I'm that fat kid, that overweight 20-something-year-old that couldn't get his life together that spent money he didn't have on drinks and food he didn't need, that went out on work nights to watch games and bars and drink six or seven beers just because I missed three days of running. I miss a week of going to the gym. I feel like I failed myself and I'm going to immediately gain all the weight back which then puts me in a very depressive state. I feel like a failure. I feel like I've let down my wife. I feel like I've let down my kids. I feel like I've let down everybody who loves me and everybody who cheered me on when I lost the weight and got fit. When I was at my biggest, I remember every time I used to talk to my mom or every time I used to see my mom. 
their first reaction would always be about my weight. Mark, you, you, you look good. Have you lost some weight? Mark, you got to take care of yourself. So that started to bug me over and over again. When my brother would come to visit me, the first question she would ask him was, how does Mark look? Has he lost weight? Now, my mom was just trying to protect me. She was just trying to keep me away from all those illnesses that affect black men in America, that affect black men all over the world, diabetes, high blood pressure. She was trying to protect me from those things that was going to end my life earlier than it should have been. So I don't blame my mom for any of that stuff. I blame myself. And that isn't always great either. See, there are some things that I have worked on later in my life mentally that has opened my eyes to what I was going through in my teenage years and my 20s. I can honestly say food was my crutch. Food was my drug. Whenever I felt bad from a long day at work, I would stop by Burger King, get an Angus burger, get some fries, get a milkshake. Oh, I had a a fight with my girlfriend at the time. On the way home, late at night, stop at Wendy's, get a spicy chicken sandwich, fries, and a Frosty. Oh, I got in an argument with my parents or my brother or my sister. Well, there's an all-you-can-eat buffet on the way home. Let me just stop there and eat something. And of course finish it off with some ice cream. And then on the way home, I'll stop at the gas station and grab some gummy bears for later. I was feeding myself, gorging myself. I was trying to put a Band-Aid over a wound that was too big for a single Band-Aid. I would do anything I could to get to that meal, to get to that beer, to remedy my situation. Now, it's the total opposite. I try to do everything else I can to remedy situations, and if it gets back to the food, if I overindulge, I feel terrible. I feel like I have let myself down. And if I go to sleep after eating a terrible meal, after eating late at night, it ruins my day the next day. is how a lot of my anxiety starts. I think to myself, okay, 
Am I supposed to go out with some friends tonight? Should I eat before I go? Should I eat a healthy meal and just not eat when I go out? No, I can't do that. They want to have a meal with me. They want to enjoy time with me. Okay, so just eat healthy at the restaurant. Well, they're going to want to go out afterwards or go to a bar. So how healthy can I eat? My friend's going to want to share an appetizer. I got to eat some wings. Well, you know, I didn't eat anything fried this week, so maybe I'll just get the fried chicken. Okay, well, I ate the fried chicken. I have one piece. Well, it's on the plate. I can't not eat it. Let me just eat it. Oh, man, they have creme brulee. I love creme brulee. When do I eat creme brulee? I'm going to order it. Okay, we're going to go out, watch the game, have some drinks. Okay. And the taxi ride home, I wonder if he'll stop at McDonald's because, you know, late night eats. I just got to get something to eat. How frustrating is that? And if you go through that, if you've been through that, that is just a hard way to live. Sometimes I wonder if it was all worth it. Sometimes I wonder if that big guy was still alive today. If that big guy was still me, would I be happier in that skin? That's a tough question to ask yourself. If you think the unhealthy version of yourself is happier. Maybe ignorance is bliss. And I understand that we should never body shame. I would never body shame somebody else. I have been body shamed before. But the little things, like when people refer to me as, you know, big man or the big guy. Yeah, I know you like to eat. You, you haven't missed a meal in a while. Stuff like that you hang on to. I've hung on to it. And every time I walk out of my house, I always see how my shirts are going to fit. Are they going to show the extra skin I have in my midsection? Are they going to show the little extra flap of skin I have on my upper arm? Will people really see how defined my calves are? Because I'm a runner. I want people to know I'm a runner. You know, are my, are my pecs you know, defined enough. And so for a person to be 40 years old and to spend most of their life not comfortable in their own body and to be three different sizes, that, think about that, extremely skinny, extremely fat, and fit. And for that person, for for me, to not feel comfortable any of those bodies, that is something I struggle with every day and I still haven't come to a point where I can honestly say I'm happy where I'm at. When I was training for my first half marathon, 
I was limiting my calories. There was plenty of days I ate 1,500 calories or less. And I was running six days a week. And I got down to 217. And then I had thumb surgery. And I wasn't able to run for about two weeks. Then I got my hard cast and I started running. Sweating in this hard cast. Oh my God, it was so itchy that when I even got it taken off, it stuck to me a little bit and the woman thought I had gone swimming in it. But I went from 217 to 231 in two months. And I felt like my life was over. I didn't give myself any slack for having a cast on my arm for eight weeks. I didn't give myself any slack for being able to actually use my thumb again, and that's why I was in the cast. I didn't give myself any slack for running while I was in a cast, I basically told myself that I failed at life. How fair is that? And I've talked about this before in previous episodes. If, this, if I was my friend, if I was another person and I was going through the things I was... I wouldn't dare talk to my friend the way I talk to myself. I wouldn't dare call my friend a failure because they had surgery on their thumb, required a cast, and ended up gaining 14 pounds. The thing is that when I got my cast off, I was able to go out and run, I think, six or seven miles without stopping the next day. A month later, I was able to do my, my half marathon. Two weeks after that, I was able to do a second half marathon. Did any of that matter? Not really. I finished the marathon, but how did I look in my shirt when I was running? Could people tell that I had extra skin? Could people tell that I was once fat? Were people judging me? Man, some of those runners looked great. Had the high-cut shorts. You could see the definition in their thighs, in their calves. Had a great stride. While I was running a half marathon, something that most of the people in the world never do and never attempt, I still felt like a failure. So, how do I deal with this now? That is a great question. Because I haven't figured it out. I just haven't. My wife tells me often that I look great, that she's proud of me for keeping the weight off. I had a buddy from South Carolina that I saw a few weeks ago that I hadn't seen in years, that the first thing he said to me was, man, you look great. And he's a personal trainer. Does stuff like that stick with me? No. 
the stuff that sticks with me is when I eat that extra serving of mashed potatoes, when I have that fried catfish, those are the things that stick with me. So somehow, some way, I have to learn to, while I'm taking care of my body, I have to take care of my mind. I have to do things that remind me that I am not a failure. But I will say this. The worst thing I can walk by in my house or in a mall or in a store is a mirror. That mirror may tell so many people around me that, man, he looks good, he looks fit. But you know what that mirror tells me? Mark your fat. Why didn't you run today? Mark, why did you have that hamburger at lunch? You should have had the salad. You should have had the turkey wrap. So, all of this might not be self-inflicted. You know, a lot of this, a lot of this mental aspect of it has to do with how I was treated when I was really skinny and how I was treated now it was really big, but I treat it like it was self-inflicted. So I will say this to you if you're listening to this and you have gone through this or are going through this. One, know that you're not alone. I go through this every day and plenty of other people go through this every day. But two, if I could get outside of my body and talk to myself. I would tell me that you have to be nicer to yourself. You have to be kinder and you really have to celebrate your successes. Looking back, I really wish I would have celebrated finishing that half marathon. I really wish I would have celebrated going from 320 to 239 in nine months, a little more. But you know, when I got to 239, it wasn't good enough. When I got to 230, it wasn't good enough. When I got to 217, it wasn't good enough. Somehow, some way, something has to be good enough. Because if something isn't good enough, you are just going to beat yourself into the ground. So, this episode was <laughs> was a little longer than usual. It basically was me kind of working through some things on a podcast. I really would love to hear your feedback.
you know, on Twitter, you can reach me at the real Paisant. On Facebook, just you know, look for me, Mark Paisant, M A R C P A I S A N T. But what I want to just end this episode by saying there is the golden rule which is treat others how you would like them to treat you. There is the platinum rule, which I use, is treat others how they want to be treated. But there's got to be another rule out there to treat yourself as you deserve to be treated. You don't deserve to be treated better or worse than anybody else, but you deserve to be treated the way you deserve to be treated. So as I end this and as I go on with my life and try to work through my issues, work through my body image issues, work through the anxiety and depression it gives me, be kind to yourself. Be nice to yourself. Reach out to somebody if you need help with that. Reach out to a therapist. Talk to a friend. Just be nice to yourself. You guys be good. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. I'll talk to you later. Relatively Normal is written, edited, and produced by me, Mark Paisant. And as always, if you or anybody you know is in crisis, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255.